0: Thank you, guys. And I'll just take time for that, but we're going to jump into um, Now, we are jumping into a hard conversation here today, okay? I'm going in the trenches, okay? I can't help myself, right? I can't help myself. Uh, sometimes whenever I, I, we get to topics and I'm like, ah, oh, do we just kind of like dance? And uh, what do we do, you know? I can't help it because here's the deal. It's almost as if like Jesus, when he looked at people, he's like, man, They're they're, they're sheep without a shepherd, right? They they don't have direction and clarity in this area of life, and with that, they go multiple different directions and do certain things because there's not clarity. And with that, as a pastor, I mean, just as hard as it may be, I will take beatings and I will take criticism, but at the end of the day, I'm going to die trying. Can I just die trying? Can I die trying getting into the mix and just trying to like, I'm doing my best, Take it, you know, uh, hopefully it'll empower you and strengthen you by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking directly into your lives and empowering my words that it would encourage you and strengthen you for where you're at here today. Last week, we talked about marriage. You know, We're in this conversation where you you text in questions, and we're answering these questions. Week number one was God, and who is God, and Trinity, and we answered that, and purpose inside of life, and we answered that. And the last week, we talked about marriage, and these marriages around divorce, but I'm like, I can't talk about marriage until we first talk about God's design, and God has a design around marriage, and then we're talking about today, divorce. I'll tell you, in church world, this is a conversation that happens about one and um, a trillion, one and a trillion, somewhere around in there getting in specifically to these trenches of navigating this. And uh, if you want to take notes, you can write this top <laughs> across the top of your paper. Never had a title like this before, but uh, here you go. Can I get a divorce? Question mark. <laughs> now, here's going to be, it's a quick message in here today. It's a very simple message that's going to take leaders. It's going to be the f- quickest message I've ever given in my entire life just to answer the question. The answer is, we're going to talk about it for the next 30 minutes, Okay. <laughs> We're going to get into these trenches. We're going to talk about it. We'll go line by line. It may be a little more teachy uh, in that sense, but with such a sensitive topic, you cannot go about this flippantly because there is collateral damage that comes with this whenever decisions are made flippantly. And the Bible instructs us very clearly that this is not a frivolous decision. It's not something that should be taken lightly. It should be held in a very, very high regard. And so we'll, we'll jump into that here today. Now, how many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you've completely disagreed with somebody like nobody's business? Anybody here? Right? Now, if you've been married, you probably experienced this in here, right? If you've got a good friend, there's moments in time where you just don't agree, right? Taco Bell or Taco Cabana? It's like, it's a hard decision. <laughs> a lot of friendships are broken up right over that conversation right there. Taco, taco, but which one? Bell or Cabana? I don't know. I like Cabanas better than Bells. I just like, that's just me. But the reality, yeah, not our, not our, not our. (laughs) Heather loves Taco Bell, and it drives me nuts, because I'm like, you're killing yourself every time you eat it. I'm just telling you that right now. You're losing a day of your life every time you eat it, okay? (laughs) Same thing with McDonald's, okay? Uh, That's just how I think, but do as you please, die as soon as you want. That's all I have to say. But uh, uh, disagreements and challenges, I mean, th- these are issues and complexities inside of life that anytime there's relationship, there is division that happens. And when there's division, there is a, a, a place where we have to come to some, some type of humility to say, we don't see eye to eye and we need to work towards a solution of agreement and or agreeing to disagree so that we can be united again. But in our culture today, we would much rather be divided than it is working towards solutions to be united. In our culture today, it's you're this and I'm that, so uh, I'm cool with that. You just are what you are, but I'm just going to let you know you're stupid. Okay, cool, you believe that, but you are a less than human than me because obviously your mental capacity is not at my level, so therefore you are less than because your intellect is a little lower than mine. (laughs) Right? This is the world in which we live in that wants to... Look down on those that don't necessarily agree. Dehumanize those that don't necessarily agree. And when this slips into the marriage dynamics, we can find ourselves in a position where homes that started off completely united can get a couple years down the journey and completely be divided. Not because they didn't agree at one moment in time and it just started in this beautiful place on what we're going to build. But it's come to a place where they've simply not addressed the issues that have arose over the journey of relationship. I tell you, with Heather and I, there's moments in time whenever we just simply disagree, right? I mean, it's a she'll get frustrated with me on things that I do, and I'm a human, and it's just my reality. I can be hard-headed Sometimes. Right, I can be frustrated with circumstances, I can be tired and not want to do things, and then she's got expectations, and I'm like, hey, your expectations, you need to calm down with those expectations, because right now I'm just trying to chill. <laughs> and this is my wife, I'll be, be very honest with you, she's not coming today, well, she may come to later, so she was on call yesterday until this morning, she like did six or seven C-sections last night or something crazy like that, which is crazy, but... Um, <laughs> There, there's moments in time whenever in, in, our, in our challenges where she's a person where her world is so chaotic. Uh, as an OB-GYN doctor, obstetrics and gynecology doctor, she's bringing life into the world, the complexity, the emergency, the challenges. It can, it's so complex that when she steps into the home, she desires complete order. Well, sometimes your boy ain't like, I ain't trying to get this thing in complete order. I'm like, I don't want complete order. You want complete order. So get your backside in gear and go clean it, okay? <laughs> sometimes, okay? It's not that I'm like, you're a woman. I'm not that person, right? You're a woman and your responsibility is to be cleaning this house. I'm a man. You know, I'm, that's not me, okay? And there's, there's disagreements that happen sometimes. I know the tension there. We'll go a couple different weeks where she's busy, I'm busy, things aren't the way we desire. And with that, we sweep things underneath the rug. Now, here's the deal. Sweeping things underneath the rug, what happens? Pressure busts a pipe. <laughs> and when that pipe busts, oh, it's going down. Come on, somebody. Anybody really like, like fighting? Anybody that loves fighting? You're like, I just, I just love the art of communicating my case to completely dismantle my enemy, which sometimes happens to be my spouse. <laughs> Come on, right? Sometimes, I mean, some people like love it. They're like, I'm just waiting for the the pipe to bust, right? (laughs) Lord, please let the pipe bust today. Some of you guys are like, you need Jesus, okay? (laughs) Need a little more of him. But in the reality of life, like the pressure busts and then we get in arguments and frustration and we're fighting and we're struggling. But what we have committed to is we will not walk away from what we agreed to. We, we're, we're a couple, Heather and I are a couple that our parents, both sides, are still married to this day, still married to this day. Now, that's not, not against anybody, I'm just letting you know, the foundation that has been set and what's been modeled and instructed before my wife and I is that it doesn't matter how hard it gets, you stay committed to the commitment you made. And with that, we know nothing different. We, we don't agree or believe in anything different then that truth right there. It's what's been modeled. It's what's been instructed. It's what we find in God's word. And so therefore, no matter how hard it gets, we're willing to say in humility, we respect God's order and we will come to each other and have a conversation to get to a place of agreement so that we can step back in alignment with unity so we can continue to build the house in which God has destined us to build together. What God has brought together let no man and I say no thing separate. It, it's our responsibility. So oftentimes, what'll happen to starts this journey. Heather and I have this little weird thing that, when we get in bed, we've been, we've literally I think we've done it since like uh, very early. I don't know, like yeah, first year of marriage or whatever. I think even like when we were like dating back in the day, like we would get on the couch and be like, "But this is what we do," and it's the weirdest thing. And maybe you can try it. But like when we're in bed, we'll just take our big toes. And we'll cross them like that together. <laughs> we just creep in on each other, like slowly up the leg. We fumble around a little bit. We're like, okay, oh, there's that big toe. There it is. And that to us is like, all right, all right, all right, okay. All right, all right, you know. So that's how we come to a place of like, okay, we're in the wrong. I mean, it's funny. It's silly. It's silly. And every couple needs, they're funny, they're silly, they're interesting. I just let you into a vulnerable place of our lives. I promise if we disagree on something, don't try to come lock toes with me after service. Okay? Got your shoe off and everything. Like, Pastor, I don't know about that one, Pastor. Back up with your, (laughs) moving along. So the reality is every every couple's got to have that dynamic. But we live in a broken world, right? There's challenges around our society today. God's design is not for us to be in this broken place where we're dealing with our own selfish, sinful desires that bring complexity to the marriage dynamic. It, God's design is in a perfect world that a Bible-believing Christian that says, Jesus is my savior, he is my redeemer, you know, he has set me free, I am in submission to, to Christ first, I am standing firm upon God's word, as we talked about last week, I am here. And man, with that, there's another God-fearing, loving individual that has built their life upon biblical foundation. They're living in submission to Jesus Christ. They have died to their self and they have gained Christ in the process. And two individuals are completely submitted to the authority of God under submission to the Lord of Jesus Christ. And with that, their foundation is in a truth that is far greater than their understanding. They say, you know what? You look good, I look good. We're building on the same foundation. Let's link this thing together so that two can be better than one for the purposes of God here on this earth. And that comes out to this foundation inside here. If you want to look at it, what I referenced last week, and they 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 put some some stuff on it here. But you got the Bible and Jesus as our foundation. The word in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. He came and lived it for us. Right here in the beginning. So Jesus is the foundation of his word, but. Two couples have to build their lives on the same foundation. When you get unequally yoked, you got two different ideas on how to to accomplish life or what the mission of family is. So love and respect are the two pieces inside there. We're going to talk about that later. But a husband and a wife have these pieces that inform them. Husband and wife says, okay, the Bible tells us to correct and direct our children. It's our responsibility to direct them in morality, in character, in spiritual truth. That's our responsibility to do that. That's nobody else's right? And then we we have our children that we're correcting and directing, and these children turn into men and women. But how do they do that? We are instructing them in the word, and we are modeling what it looks like for them. They become men and women, That then the process starts over again. But this foundation is unbelievably important for God's design to be completely lived out in society. God's design is we get this right? And if this is right, then we don't have the collateral damage of even asking the question, can we get a divorce? Divorce is a place of broken human that is, that is saying, you know what? I think it's time to separate from you. I, I have a different desire, a different place, something else I want outside of this covenant relationship that I agreed to at some point in time. I, I want something different, and so I'm going to move on from you. And then we break a covenant that we made between God and another individual. And a covenant is under my covenant, the the idea around covenant is you are agreeing wholeheartedly to a set of terms, which we say them in our vows at our marriage. We're going to do this. Good times, bad. Doesn't matter what's going down. We're here. I will be here. And God looks down on that and says, okay, you committed and there's blessing upon your commitment. But if you break that commitment, there's consequences to it. You break covenant, right? there's consequences that come with that. And that's the collateral damage we see inside of society, the the human challenge of of emotionally being broken that comes out of it. Um, So that's a little bit of the complexity. I'm just trying to bring the complexity before we step into this question. Right, We live in a broken society where sin has entered into the world, and with that, we have fleshly sinful desires on the inside of us where we want something outside of what we said yes to in the beginning. And a consensus for that is God has allowed separation based on the sin or the hard heart of man. So James 4, 4, 4.1 would say this. Um, What is causing the quarrels and fighting among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that were within you? You want to do what you, uh, or you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So um, you fight and wage war to take it away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want what only you, uh, what will give you pleasure. So this is speaking to a little bit different context maybe more in the, in the realm of uh, material possessions, but I think it's true to even the dynamics inside of relationship today, is that when we are upset and we're frustrated, we want something that we don't have, and rather than asking God for it, we scheme and whatever to try to get it. And this is where you get into very complex, challenging situations in relationship where there's emotional manipulation and so on and so forth, that now I'm trying to get love from you or I'm trying to get respect from you, But there's so many challenges here, and I don't want to ask for forgiveness, or I don't want to come to a place of humility to say, I've messed up, and I don't even want to ask God because I want to recognize that I've done something wrong. I just want to be right. Because I want to be right, it brings frustration and challenge to the, the relationship dynamics. It's sin on the inside of us that brings us to a point where we even ask the question, can we get a divorce? Now, if you're in here today, and you are divorced, okay, cool. We're going to go through a couple different dynamics of where we are at inside of there. What, what, where you are at. Because there's, there's, a, there's a difference between unbeliever and believer. There's, there's a difference in here. Unbelievers that come together, there's chaos and sin that operate inside of there. Believers that come together, completely different expectations. There's completely different expectations on this dependent on where you are at inside of your faith. If you are separated here today, God's got you. You're in the middle. We're going to talk all the way through it, okay? I don't know if we're going to get all the way through my material, but I will get through the main question, number one, here today. i got three things I want to get to, but if I only get to this one, I'm good with that because it's going to bring clarity to where we're at. Give some freedom. Give some peace. At the end of the day, you may be in here today separated from your spouse. You may be in here divorced. And from that time, you've carried the shame of walking away from a marriage, uh, agreeing to those terms, and you may be walking in the shame of what comes with that. And the enemy is using that to defeat you and distort your identity. But let me just tell you today, I pray by the end of this, there's clarity that gives you strength, that you can walk in in truth, and man, you can be confident in where you are at today, believing for your future, whatever that future may be. Single for the rest of your life, cool. Cool. Not mingling, just single for the rest of your life. Or if it's you're single today, but God's got a future that you may remarry. God's got a plan, and God wants to bless you, and I I believe that. So number one, if you want to write this down, can I, or yes, divorce is an option. Yes, divorce is an option, okay? Dot, dot, dot. But, okay, let's put the but on it, okay? But should be the last resort. Yes, divorce is an option. There's biblical reasons for it, but it should be the last option. Everybody in here, we should all agree, come together and say, you know what? Because of the importance of marriage in society and in the institution that God has formed and fashioned for the benefit of society to thrive, we hold marriage in a high regard. And with that, we stand here and say, we will fight tooth and nail in order to preserve what God has instituted. And if we can agree upon that, now we can move into the second part of this. Yes, but, right? Yes, you can get divorced. Number one reason that you can not get divorced that is very clear inside of the Bible would be Matthew chapter 19, adultery. Adultery is the number one biblical reason, very clear in the Bible, that you can get a divorce, that when somebody has been unfaithful physically and a, an encounter has happened, you have biblical grounds for divorce. Uh, Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him. Speaking about Jesus, this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Very clear, male, female, God has distinguished two different genders for the purpose that one is going to leave his father and mother and be cleaved to the other and the two become one. Now, what is the significance of this? It goes back to the origination of Adam inside of the garden, that woman, as we talked about last week, it's not good for man to be alone. You must... I'm going to create a helpmate for you, the humility we must carry as individuals that God has a design that, one, we got to have an emotional support inside of our life, and two, we've got to have a helper to carry the responsibility of life. We are m- not meant to do family alone. Hey, you want to go out at yourself, don't have any kids inside of the picture, God bless you, love you, go at it alone, you and Jesus. But the moment you say, man, we're going to bring some kids into this dynamic, we're going to have this family dynamic, we need an emotional support. And we need a physical support. It's not good for man to be alone. So out of the rib of Adam, Eve was created. And the beauty of this, what Jesus is trying to reinforce here is the leaving and cleaving is bringing back to the origination of what God created. Out of woman, she was, out of man, woman was created. And this expression is woman is coming back and the two are becoming one again. That's the expression. It's like no longer one identity over an individual. Two individuals are coming together for one identity, right? We come 100% together. 100%, 100% makes 100%, right? That's not mathematically true, but that's the reality of the dynamic, right? You're not 200%, you're 100%, right? You can't go beyond that. But that's the beauty of what Jesus is trying to do. So going beyond this in Matthew 19, the Pharisees go on to say, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together, this is Jesus further explaining it. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to you, uh, to your hard hearts, but it ha- was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless what? His wife has been unfaithful. So, anybody gets a divorce, and this is two believers coming together. Two believers coming together, gets a divorce for any reason outside of adultery, and one other we're gonna talk about here in a second. You've committed, a, uh, you are committing adultery yourself if you move on from that. So, adultery is a key thing inside of here. The physical relationship where I step outside of the marriage bed between me and my spouse and I go into the bed of somebody else, that's what the Bible tells us, is do not uh, defile the marriage bed. Do not, who would come together with a prostitute, right? Somebody else outside of our marriage bed, right? This, this is a place that we want to keep sacred and holy between two individuals. So adultery is one reason for two believers that under covenant with God, one breaks that covenant is unfaithful with somebody else. One reason, okay? That's one reason. Hold that in your mind right now. Hopefully that's not the reality. I will say this too: adultery being the first responsibility or first reason inside of here. Even in the face of adultery, we should still fight for reconciliation. We want to reconcile the situation to the point where it's unreconcilable. Okay. So if somebody agrees in me, I just can't do it. I can't get over it. I can't get past this. Biblically, they are on grounds where they can separate. Okay, the second reason would be this, and this is a little, it's a little uh, not, not as overtly clear, but it does give some clarity on two different things. I'm going to read the first part of this that gives clarity on believers. The second part of this gives clarity on a believer with an unbeliever, or two unbelievers that one now is a believer, okay? So we'll get into that. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul's indicating to the church in Corinth. Corinth is a community of people that is very corrupt. Corinth is a community that is over-sexualized. Uh, it's pretty much like living in Las Vegas, okay? That's Corinth. It's, everything is over-sexualized. There's a lot of promiscuity. There's a lot of sexual activity that's going on. There's a lot of temptation around. So, so Paul's writing in to these dynamics. So if you don't know kind of the background, the, the, the church in Corinth is having some issue. Paul uh, it, um, addresses them. Uh, they don't like the letter that he sent, so they send a letter back to him. Paul jumps on a boat, goes over there, in Corinth is like, I said this. Dips out pretty quick, and then they write another letter. Uh, then he uh, writes another letter back, which is 2 Corinthians. But First Corinthians, he's dealing with the issues inside of here of corruption inside of the church, one of them being sexual sin. So in 1 Corinthians 7... Under this situation where there's promiscuity going on, there's adultery going on, there's a lot of desire being lived out that's causing chaos, and it's rooted in sin. He says this in verse number 10, but for those who are married, I have have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord, a wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him, and the husband must not leave his wife. So this is not for the reasons of adultery. This is not for reasons uh, like that. This is for reasons of we are just in disagreement. Paul's recommendation, a command from the Lord is if you separate because you disagree, you can't get remarried. Don't remarry is what his command is. Don't remarry unless you get reconciled to your spouse. So you can separate. That's fine. You can separate. But you have no biblical ground. If you're believers, you have no biblical ground in order to divorce each other. You must remain single in that process. That's how he, how he's indicating inside of here. Okay. So the second reason would be abandonment. This this aspect of like uh, I've been abandoned inside of the, the role responsibilities inside of my uh, inside of my marriage dynamic. We'll jump into that in here, which is a little more clear when it comes from believer to unbeliever. So as a believer, abandonment. Is a little bit of a challenge to biblically rectify. Okay? But as moving on inside of here in 1 Corinthians 7, I'll say this in verse number 12: Now I will speak to, to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. I, uh, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a hu- husband, who is not a believer and is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. So one of them staying in the mix, the believing spouse staying in the mix, brings holiness to the marriage, and with that brings holiness to the children. But if a husband, this is where it gets into this abandonment, Between a believer and an unbeliever. But if a husband or a wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you, and don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you uh, placed you, um, and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. So it's not a command from the Lord. It's a rule that Paul is indicating as an apostolic leader over the church, Here's a situation in Corinth, corruption, we're sharing the gospel, people are coming and being getting saved, it's sometimes the, uh, uh, the wife, it's sometimes the husbands, and with that complexity, some of these wives or the husbands are like, I'm married to a, a sinner, you know? I would much rather uh, be married to another believer. I would much rather have a situation where I can identify with somebody spiritually, have this connection spiritually. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Don't leave them. Don't leave them. Stay in the trenches. Stay in there, right? Jesus stayed in the trenches for us that we, should be, we would be saved. Stay in the trenches and pray and believe and uh, trust God in the process that in your marriage, your spouse will get saved. So stay in those trenches. You're bringing holiness to the marriage. And with that, you're bringing holiness to the kids. Now, in the event that the unbelieving spouse says, hey, I don't know. You're crazy. Going to church and all your church meetings, doing all your stuff. You crazy. With that, I'm out. Deuces. I'm not doing this anymore. You're crazy. I don't believe what you believe. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I'm a whatever. I got to go. And they leave. Paul's indication is, hey, don't try to hang on to it. Let them go. You biblically are on grounds now where you can now get a divorce. So if a person leaves, and this is where it gets a little tricky because it's between a believer and an unbeliever, okay? So these are specific instances that in community, individuals can walk with you through the process of understanding your specific dynamic because it's situational or circumstantial where a pastor wants to lean into that with you. You don't want to just throw a deuce. If you are a believer and you're dealing with another believer, right, right? Maybe there's a believer and an unbel- like a believer that was a believer, and then they renounce their faith and they walk away. I would probably say that that person is now considered an unbeliever, right? I'm not a once saved, always saved guy. That's just me. God bless me. We'll get to heaven and, and, and it'll get clarified. But here on earth, we can work towards Jesus and not really trip about all that, those dynamics, okay? But this side of heaven, I believe, is not once saved, always saved. There's got to be fruit inside of the mix, right? Attached to the vine, we're going to produce fruit. You sever that vine, you're no longer attached to the vine. So my belief is that a believer denounces faith and walks away. Now they are an unbeliever, and they may walk away from the marriage. And in those dynamics, we're on biblical grounds, I would say that now we can get a divorce, okay? Trying to navigate this very slowly, very clearly, okay? So we good? We here? (laughs) Some of you guys are like, really taking notes. Some of you guys are like, oh, Lord Jesus, you know. <laughs> okay, I want to be as clear as possible because this is a very, very big issue. And we do not want to take it lightly. So I'll just, let me just read what's in my notes here over Christians that are married. Stay, if at all possible. But you can get a divorce if one has committed adultery. If one person leaves the other then stay separated and unmarried unless you reconcile with your spouse. If you are believers, Christians, and one backs away, as I just said, and they walk away, I believe you're on biblical grounds. It is not 100% indicated in in scripture, but I would say taking some, uh, some context inside of here on what Paul is saying, I believe you're on good ground. A Christian spouse and an unbelieving spouse, Christian spouse, stay in the marriage to make it holy, By doing so, you bring holiness to your children. If the unbelieving spouse decides to leave, then you can get a divorce. Unbelieving people, this is just in general, so I'm going to talk towards friends today. We're in a culture that is corrupt. What God has brought together, what Jesus says is, what God has brought together, let no man separate. But there's so many couples today that God didn't bring together. Sin brought them together. They're like, you look good, I look good. How about we just make this physical? Oh, shoot, we got some kids. Let's get married. Oh, Lord, we're behind eight ball now because we lived unrighteously, we lived in sin, and now we got a union based on tradition, not based on commitment. And so you got unbelievers inside of here. So this is what I would say. Uh, sin will wreak havoc on their lives and their relationships as Christians. We should pray for and help counsel our unbelieving friends in, ways, uh, in the ways of the word so that they may experience the joy of living in the truth and walking in righteousness. So there's corrupt situations, broken situations, but we should have a heart to help unbelieving people rectify and reconcile marriages and hopefully by doing so they can come and find Jesus in that process. Now here's a little bit of issues that are there's some issues inside of society that aren't overtly listed inside of the word. These are these are a couple but not listing all of them. Physical abuse, drug addiction, I would even say workaholics, people that are addicted to their work. These are all places where um, physical abuse is uh, bringing harm to the home. Whichever it is, whether it's the the wife or the husband in the dynamic, is now stepping outside of their their commitment uh, of respecting their husband or loving their wife. And with that, they have broken the marriage bond that they vowed on that day in covenant. So there's a situation where an individual has now walked away from what they said they would do. Now they're bringing harm, physical harm. I believe it is the responsibility of the spouse that is facing physical harm. Emotional is a different conversation. Emotional harm probably needs to be talked out with a pastor to kind of rectify some of those things that are going on. But the physical part, it is the responsibility of the spouse that is receiving abuse, one, to get out as immediately immediately separate and get out of the house until the individual that has rage and anger that has physically taken it out on the spouse can come to a place of healing and reconciliation in their life before you can reconcile that marriage. Second thing in that drug addiction. Drug addiction is now brought into the house. I believe you should separate immediately in order to separate yourself from the chaos that could ensue on the family. I'm not saying leaving, depending on the circumstances we just talked about. You got to make that decision led by the Holy Spirit on what exactly to do. And on the other side of that, workaholics is a different conversation. I would say this to anybody inside of here if you are working and losing your family in the process, you probably want to listen to your spouse that's saying, hey, we got issues. This is not okay you're out of the house all the time. The Bible's very clear. What good is it to gain the world and lose your soul and dare I say lose your family in the process? No dollar amount is worth losing your family. No dollar amount is worth being absent from your kids. I'll tell you that right now. And the Bible's clear that we got a responsibility to raise these children. So if you're a workaholic, you got work that you got to work that out, workaholics. Because there's I think as a married couple, if a workaholic is continually out, they're putting an undue burden on the other spouse in order to manage the, carry the responsibility, but God has designed us to have a help mate. So we're stepping away from the agreement we made on day number one to be in the house and uh, carrying the load of family and because we have a workload. And you're like, well, my company, it's my job, it's my responsibility. Well, you can have a serious conversation with your company to say, these responsibilities are unrealistic because I'm not a father and or a mother in my home and it's destroying the dynamics in which I said yes to on my wedding day. And if you can't lighten the load, then I'm going to go ahead and let my resignation slip your way, and I'm going to move on to a place that I can walk in health and healing in my life so that I can be a contributor inside of my home to develop my home because my responsibility is first to my spouse, second to my children. That's what I'm called to do. Make sense? Okay, so those are some circumstances inside of there. Now, with that, God hates... Well, no, let me, go, let me jump into this. Now, you may be a spouse with uh, a, a deceased husband, a, de- a deceased wife. With that, you're on biblical grounds to get remarried. So Romans 7, uh, Paul given this uh, analogy inside of here over the marriage dynamics would bring clarity to it. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the with law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, uh, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if, she, if he dies, the law of, laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, the spouse passes away. She is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So if you're in here, you're dealing with the loss of a spouse. You can dream again and believe again. And here's a, an interesting thing, and I don't have it in my notes here today, specifically where Jesus speaks about that in heaven, we're no longer given in marriage. Um, so you may be married today. Marriage is a man's concept. When we get to heaven, it's going to be them and us, and we're going to know each other based on what we, where we were on the earth. But there is no sin. There is no, you know, we don't live in that desire anymore. We're in a completely different state of existence with a, um, with a heavenly body. And so we're not given in marriage. We're not married anymore. And that's a really hard one for, for me today. When I read that when I first got married, I'm like, forget this. I don't like it anymore, right? I want to be with them forever. And now we've been married 16 years, and I'm like, that's not such a bad deal. I'm yes. I'm all right. I'm good, you know. She can live next door. Come on do what I want, you know, praise God. <laughs> but that's the reality. Um, so we're not given a marriage inside of heaven. Uh, it's an earthly thing that we're living in here today. And um, yeah, so that's that. So God hates divorce. I'll jump over to Malachi 2, 15 and 16. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and in spirit? You are his. And what does, uh, what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to your wife of your youth. And I would say just flip that on both ends. Remain loyal to your husband of your youth. All it is is trying to bring you back to a place of remember when you first got married and the level of passion and commitment you were agreeing to back then. And guarding your heart so that on the journey of life, your heart isn't getting captivated, captivated by anything else other than your commitments that you made and the person in which God has called you to do life with. Verse 16, he says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So what? Guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. This is a massive conversation that has massive uh, uh, implications if we take a step of separating from somebody, especially if there's kids involved. And that's why today I want to slow this down. I don't even know. I guess that was 30 minutes right there. We, we answered the question. Hopefully everybody is clear. But if you're in here today and maybe you have separated, here's the deal. The moment, right, maybe you're an unbeliever inside of here. Like you were an unbeliever and you were living and you were doing and you got a divorce and the world uh, on the road of destruction that you were living on. And since then, you've come to know Jesus Christ and you've turned from your evil ways and you've addressed the sin inside of your life and you turned towards Christ, you've repented of that life and you're headed towards Christ today. There should be no shame over the chaos that you walked in. There should be no shame over the decisions you made when you were living in darkness. That world is full of chaos. But the beauty is that you have seen the light and you've come to the light of Jesus Christ. You are redeemed. You are restored You have been reconciled to your Father. And you're on a new road. Praise God. So there should be no shame over what has been done. But your heart should be, I want to rectify the brokenness that happened in the world when I walked in darkness. So if you're here today, man, divorce. And man, you carry the shame. Let the shame go. Let the Holy Spirit deal with the shame. So that you can be complete here today. and Say, you know what? I want to move towards the future. Maybe today... You were a believer and you were in it and you were in ministry and you were moving forward and all of a sudden something happened on the road of life. And here today you're dealing with complexity of separation. Right, I, I would just say if it can be reconciled and you're here today where you are dealing with still a believer on the other side but you're separated here today, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. I mean, Ephesians 5, I didn't get to it. That's point number three, and we're on point number one. We're not going there today. Point number three is that as a husband, just not looking at the family dynamics, and a wife, not looking at the family dynamics and the responsibilities inside of that, because we can get really traditional and get into a patriarchal mindset, and it complicates society, because we look through lens of humanity and not through the eyes of God. But if you look simply at that, the number one responsibility as a husband that Ephesians 5 leads, leads us in is, Love your wife as Christ loves the church. The first thing, submission to the marriage as unto Christ, both. How do you do that as a man? You love them as Christ loved the church. So what does that mean? You're in a complicated situation, dealing with a complicated person. You know who else is complicated? You are. And you know who's dealing with you? Jesus is. And as a husband, you're dealing with a complicated person, but we can see how Jesus has loved us in our brokenness and our destruction and all of our excuses and all of our chaos, but yet he gracefully still loves us. And here today, you're not getting what you want, but man, you can fight for what, what you want. And maybe like James Ford talks about, I, I'm gonna stop trying to, trying to control the situation. I'm gonna stop trying to like put the right picture on, like I'm changed now, but I'm gonna work towards health and healing in my life and I'm gonna pray my backside off that God would restore all things that have been lost. As a husband, the number one thing, loving wife as Christ loves the church, that is submission to the mission of the marriage. Why? Submission to the mission of the marriage. The number one thing that Ephesians 5 says is respect your husband. Now it gets complicated because it says, submit to your husband. As unto the Lord, and we hear that word submit in a feminist society. Be like, heck no, I ain't submitting to nobody. Submission, he's submitting to me. We're looking through the eyes of man. We're looking through the sin of man. Submission, I ain't getting submission to nothing. No, in submission to the Lord, respect your husband. Respect him, honor him for the design that God has for him to lead the home. Understand you're both in submission to Christ in order to accomplish the mission of the family. Don't get twisted in the authoritative, messed up complexities of like, you know, the, the, the patriarchal, whatever, ugh, machoism thinking that the society wants to breed, you know, infiltrate into our society to bring complexity and challenges and undermine the dynamics that God instituted inside of the marriage. How we submit in the marriage, we're both in submission. How we do it is respecting our husbands. And today, maybe the complexities you face today is because, one, you're not in submission to Christ first. So you'll never be in submission to the marriage. You're, you're, you're lukewarm if you want it. You're like one foot in, one foot out. Like Jesus, I'm good until you try to correct me. I'm good where I feel good. But as soon as you try to correct me and where I don't understand, I'm not good. So I'll listen to the point of my comfort, but I'll bow out the moment that it gets, it gets hard. Submission to the mission is even when it's hard, I may not understand. Even when the world has complexity and, and chaos and, and dysfunction and trying to undermine the, the, the family, the marriage dynamics. I'm not giving into cultural standards and cultural truths. I'm getting in the trenches of biblical truth because my foundation. Is on Jesus and his word. That's where my foundation is because I'm in submission to Christ. I'm in submission to Christ, not to culture, to Christ. And because of that, I'm willing to submit and respect my husband. I'm willing to submit and love my wife. If I could do that, there's beauty in what God can do. You may not understand it, but it'll definitely humble you. Say, man, I just got to humble myself, and I got to try to work this thing out. So wherever you are at today in the complexity of relational challenges and struggle, maybe you are separated here today. Let's fight for reconciliation. Let's fight for it. But today, maybe you've been fighting, and you have a spouse that has walked away. They've walked away. And you have a peace inside of your heart to let go, let go, let go. Recalibrate, reset, heal, and move forward in what God has called you to do. Not what you want to hear. It's not what you want. If you feel the peace. So let me pray over you today. And I just want a time where we can just sit here and contemplate maybe what God has on our hearts here today, just for a second. With such a big issue. I mean, last week I, I, I had so many people say, thank you so much for you know, having that moment where we recommitted our vows. I mean, it was such a beautiful time for us because we remembered that commitment. We got lost on the journey. Maybe you're lost on the journey here today. You know, there's couples last week that said, man, it's such a beautiful time. We've been, we've been talking about divorce. We're a house that will fight for biblical truth. We'll fight for the institutions that God has set up for. We will never give way to cultural standards and cultural beliefs. We will stand firm in truth. So if you're here today, grab your spouse's hands. Let's all stand up together. I want you to grab your spouse's hands. Grab their hands. It may be the most uncomfortable thing because you are fighting on the way to church today. That's all right. You may have been fighting last night and didn't go to sleep until three o'clock. It was hard for you to stay awake during this message. That's all right. You're here and God wants to speak something into this. The middle of the chaos you're walking in. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He can work this together for your good. He's got a future for you, man. We're standing firm. What he's brought together, let's not separate. Let's beautify it. Let's submit to the mission. Let's love and respect each other. Let's get in alignment. Let's be in submission to Christ first, amen. So you got your wife's hands, amen. Come on, all the brokenness, all the pain, all the struggle. Jesus, let's confront it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place, Holy Spirit. Move on hearts, move on lives. Got through the complexity of the conversation, Father, I pray as, as you begin to communicate to the depths of our souls, the depths of our hearts, God. Father, I pray for every individual, Lord, that has faced some conviction on the inside of their hearts. That, God, you would bring humility into the dynamics of their relationship. Bring humility into the dynamics of their lives, God. Father, may they surrender wholly and completely to you today, God. Walking away from their ideas, walking away from their way of thanking God, submitting themselves to your authority, submitting themselves to your word, submitting themselves to your leading God as our Lord. So humility to rise up on the inside of us, God. Lord, where there's chaos, things have been swept underneath the rug, where pressure is building up on the inside of the relational pipe. God, I pray, Lord, that you begin to relieve pressure through conversation, God, the power of the Holy Spirit's at work, Father, to dismantle the arguments that have come against this couple. Father, the arguments that have come against them, God, and their union. Father, bring to remembrance the commitment made even in the middle of experiences and decisions that have been made that have challenged it restore all things God bring it back together Father give them the love of their youth again let them look through a different eyes God let their eyes not be filled with looking through flaws but God may their eyes be filled with the beauty of their spouse by the first drew them to it may that be the, the landscape in which they see here today about them the beauty and the blessing that they are restore all things that are broken God Father, I speak by your authority that marriages that were on the brink of divorce, God, today are being restored. Marriages that are separated here today, God, you're at work to reconcile those things, God. Father, bring together what you have brought together, God, long ago. Restore them, reconcile them, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Come on, let's just sing it out for a
1: second. Amen. Amen. Hey!
0: fighting for marriages our our church stands firm upon that so goes the family so goes society we will fight for marriages we're going to stand in the trenches we will not excuse sin we take responsibility for our actions we truly want to walk in godliness and holiness which is saying yes to what god's plan is and denying self so man i pray that if you're in here today restoration reconciliation is at work today in your marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this weekend, hey, amen, amen, amen. You can, you can clap for that. But uh, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow we're celebrating those that have gone and uh, paid the ultimate price for our nation. I always love the statement that all have given, some have given all. I mean, it's such a powerful statement. And we got armed services inside of here. It's not Veterans Day to salute you guys, but... It's Memorial Day, and I think in in just light of where we're at inside of our world, there are people that have paid the price for the freedom in which we walk in. So as we celebrate a day off, skies out, thighs out tomorrow, just remember, this is not by chance that we get this freedom. It's not by chance. There's a whole lot of people that made the choice, and with that, a whole lot of people that made the choice paid the ultimate price. And so if you're a family member inside of here that has paid the ultimate price, you have a loved one that paid the ultimate price, and you're living with that carrying that burden, we're with you and we're behind you. We support you. We love you. Our prayers go out to you. Keep on fighting. We thank your loved one's sacrifice for our freedom here today. Amen? Amen. All
1: right. I'm going to keep talking if we don't get out of here. But hey. Derek, take us away, my man. Well, come on, how good was that message here today? Can we give it up to God for that incredible message? Well, hey, right now we're going to briefly go into our time of giving. Now, if it is your first time in no way, shape, or form are we ask you to give, this service is our gift to you. But there is a few ways on the screen right behind me and some options that you have in order to give here today. Now, we have uh, something called Pro Street Youth happens every Wednesday and uh, one student actually showed up a few months ago and what's crazy is he got invited by his friend and when he showed up he was riding a bike and you know talking to him he's like yeah I, i rode my bike 30 minutes to get here And in further conversation, he let let us know that he's a high school dropout, that he's going to school to get his GED. And uh, man, he's just been struggling in life. He didn't have the best upbringing growing up. And it was crazy to see him in this moment at Pro Street Youth on a Wednesday. He could be anywhere else doing anything. He shows up. And ever since that moment, that was a few months back, he's continually showing up, continually showing up to see what God has for him. He has a community now. And I want to read this because he reached out to one of our youth leaders and he said this. He said, ever since I've been going to church, I've been feeling good about myself. And I've been I've been feeling welcome. And I just want to thank you all for what, what has become. Because it helps me come out of my shell more. And letting me have interactions helps me a lot. And I want to thank you all for all that you do. For letting me be part of such a good community. Um, I'm so grateful for Pro Street Church. How incredible is that? that? That a student, a high school dropout... Someone that's struggling can find a community here on a Wednesday night at 6.30. That's incredible. And the beauty is that we get to give to that here today. You may never, may never meet this student, may never see this student, but the beauty is when we come together, we understand the mission and vision of our church and what God is doing here at Pro Street Church. When we give to that, we give back our resources, God can do incredible things. So thank you so much to the owners in the house for giving and for making stories like that happen every single day week. Now we have Glow Night, which is a youth event happening this Sunday. If you have students, middle school, high school, get them there. It's gonna be an incredible time. We're gonna have some fun and then Sunday we have something called Student Takeover where literally children and and, uh, youth are gonna take over the Sunday. You're gonna see them serving on a camera outside holding signs. It's gonna be an incredible time and you're also gonna see them getting baptized right before our eyes to see the life transformation that's happening in students lives. They're not too young. they're they're, they're not too young to be to be transformed and we get to do that here today so have a great Sunday we'll see you guys next week for student takeover have a good one